This is Casey Hendrickson on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Phone number 574-2595-953. That is 2595-953. You can also send a text message to 45364. Please put MNC at the beginning of that message, just so I know what you're talking about. Uh, Casey, great interview. I live in the county uh, in the county in South Bend, but there needs to be a change and see what happens. I'm going to donate to him. SB needs him bad. Uh, just if he helps the schools and the traits, we will go at a great pace. Thank you. All right, thank you for listening. Appreciate that. And again, um, you know, uh, <laughs> so, okay. I wish I would have seen this question earlier when I had Sean Haas in the studio. Will he buy another $1 million boom box? Uh, that's funny. Not quite a million dollars, but like 600000 but it was going to be 650000 So they got a deal at right around 600000 Remember that. That was interesting. All right. Um, and, I mean, a bunch of very interesting questions and, and things like that about uh, about the campaign. But, you know, like I said, it's, it's I, I think it's an interesting election season in general, but I also think it's a really interesting one locally. You've got two mayoral races happening. You've got a bunch of very interesting council races in all of the cities you know so it's it's um it's a pretty interesting time for elections no doubt about it sometimes you know you you get boring elections and things like that that's certainly not the case this time around anyway 574-2595-953 do you want to thank our sponsor second amendment arms and range located in new carlisle if you mention me you will get 50% off your range time. Go to secondamendmentarms.net for more information. Today's also the Defensive Pistol Open League night. This comes from my listeners on the Discord server. The state of Michigan this weekend becomes the latest state to conduct a spraying campaign in an attempt to prevent its residents from becoming infected with the deadly mosquito-borne disease, Eastern equine encephalitis uh, by the way they are all done with that spraying that happened this last weekend okay known as eee 29 cases and nine deaths have been reported to date michigan which will send planes into the air to spread the environmentally safe miros 3.0 pesticide over 720,000 acres at an estimated cost of between one and a half and 1.8 million dollars again they already did this Michigan follows Massachusetts and Rhode Island in conducting spray programs, EEE cases, or I don't know, should I just call it triple E? EEE cases have also been reported in Connecticut, North Carolina, and Tennessee. We don't expect this to be an epidemic, but the higher than usual number of cases and the severity of the virus has raised public alarm, according to William Schaffner, MD, an infectious disease specialist and a professor of preventative medicine and health policy at Vanderbilt University School of Medicine in Nashville. Part of the reason for the public alarm is there is no vaccine to prevent or cure the mosquito-borne virus, at least a vaccine that is commercially available. The U.S. military has been conducting clinical trials for years on a vaccine developed in the 1980s, according to WBURFM. The EEE vaccine had been given to military personnel and researchers to protect military personnel from dangerous pathogens. However, the Food and Drug Administration intervened and ended the military's vaccine study. The FDA slapped the military for running essentially unregulated clinical trials, 
according to Sam Telford, an epidemiologist at Tufts University who received the vaccination as a graduate student prior to the FDA's vaccine ban. The only way researchers can get their hands on the vaccine today is via a military clinical trial being conducted by the United States Army Medical Research Institute of Infectious Diseases. So the Army was testing a vaccine. This thing was developed in the 1980s. They've been testing it, doing trials on it. FDA said, nope, you can't do these trials, uh, which for those of us who have been in the military, that's, that's, a, that's a new one. Usually the military does the clinical trials on us because they don't need FDA approval. But anyway, uh, the FDA put a stop to it. And as a result of the FDA putting a stop to it, you, you can't get the vaccine. Social media posts from concerned citizens have suggested employing the Right to Try Act to get access to the vaccine. The Right to Try allows for patients who have been diagnosed with life-threatening diseases or conditions who are unable to participate in a clinical trial to access certain unapproved treatments. Um, I mean, look, you could, but here's here's the thing. Um, the likelihood that you're going to catch the disease is very low. All right. Now, if you do catch it, the likelihood that you're going to die is very high. It's It's got a very high fate, uh, mortality rate, but the likelihood that you're actually going to get it is extremely low. We're talking about 29 people, okay? Uh, so using the Right to Try Act to try and save yourself from a fatal disease that you likely will never encounter doesn't make a lot of sense, okay? But I suppose theoretically you can make the argument. Recently, the Journal of American Medical Association in an article said that the cost of the development of a drug from research to the time it hits your local CVS or Walgreens is a cost of $648 million. Given the few cases of the virus reported each year, it's a cost prohibitive for drug companies to develop the vaccine, even with a fair amount of research conducted by the military. Okay. As rare as the virus is, there has been a steady increase in those cases in recent years, with this year being one of the most active years for the virus in over 50 years. That still makes for less than 30 Americans who have contracted it, compared to 30,000 new cases of Lyme disease each year. Another problem for the vaccine developed by the military is that it only works for short periods of time. People would need to receive the vaccine multiple times over years in order to maintain protection. Um, okay. So uh, the CDC was was telling everybody that. So so what other vaccine do we get, I don't know, Joe, annually? Flu vaccine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so when the CDC goes, yeah, but, like, it only works for a short period of time, you'd have to get, like, multiple injections of this thing, you know, over a, a period of many years, like the flu vaccine. Can you cocktail the two of them together? I mean, I'm just saying, if you're going to get your flu vaccine, can you throw this one in there with it and uh, just do the one shot? I, I would, you know, for people who get the flu vaccine, it makes sense. Uh, Center for Disease Control offers preventive suggestions, which include the use of insect repellent. So now it, there's a whole host of people who are anti-insect repellent because of the chemicals involved with insect repellents. But um, so if you're one of those people, listen to what the CDC is telling you. We're not going to give you a vaccine because it's not likely that you're going to get sick. But what we do recommend you do is shower yourself in chemicals that some people believe are dangerous. <laughs> so if, if you're one of those, I don't believe that uh, DEET's a big problem, but I'm just saying there are those who do. Uh, that doesn't pass the smell test for them. I'm sure there's some funny blog posts about it. 
Wearing long sleeve pants and shirts in the middle of summer, uh, use screens on windows and doors, and at least once a week, empty and scrub, turn over, cover, or throw out items that hold water, such as tires, buckets, planters, toys, pools, bird baths, flower pots, and trash containers. You know where your water is being held. Um, I had an issue with mosquitoes at my last house because there was a tree trunk that had just the way that it moved, it had a little pool that would form in it and hold water. And I found out that the mosquitoes were hatching there. Once I treated that, I didn't have any mosquitoes anymore. So, um, yeah. So there you go. According to the CDC, nobody's going to develop the vaccine because not that many people get sick. So we're going to continue to let this thing go until it becomes a problem uh, because the FDA prevented the military from developing the vaccine anyway. And as a precaution, uh, since you're unlikely to get it, but you should protect yourself from the possibility of getting it, wear long sleeves and pants in the middle of summer and shower yourself with chemicals. So there you go. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Got to tell you about Z-Bart of South Bend. It is that time of year. You got to start thinking about winterizing your vehicle. So if you've got a pickup truck, you got to start thinking about getting that uh, that uh, rhino lining on there, right? So you got to get that taken care of. Then you got to start thinking about getting your undercarriage taken care of. So you got to go ahead and get those windows tinted also. Because, again, UV rays do come off of the snow and the ice, and uh, in the wintertime they can actually be more intense than they are in the summer. And I recommend remote starts. If you don't have a remote start, uh, we got one a couple years ago for our old vehicle because, well, the kids getting in the car in the morning were freezing to death. And so we warm the car up while the kids are getting ready, and as they're on their way to school, they're nice and toasty, and it makes everybody a little bit less irritating to be around. So go to Z-Bart of South Bend, get those services and much more. And again, they just, they're just they a one-stop shop. And just take care of your vehicle and make your vehicle look and perform the best that it can, especially if you've got a truck. they got everything you can possibly think of to accessorize your truck. Go to Z-Bart of South Bend. Again, they're located at 2627 South Main Street in South Bend, Indiana. Let them know that I sent you, please. We've got, uh, oh wait, I almost went to commercial break again. You know why? Because I was thinking I was going to do that in the, the end of the last segment, and I did, and I did at the beginning of this one. And so, I mean, I, theoretically, I could take a break now, and that would actually give me a really good segment in the back half hour of the program. I mean, theoretically, if you really wanted to go to news now, but I'm not going to. All right. I put in a request to interview the attorney general, the nation's attorney general, because he's speaking in Notre Dame uh, tomorrow. We'll see how that goes. But also the state attorney general. And I wanted to talk to him about this fetal case. More fetal remains have been found in Illinois in a vehicle formerly owned by the late Dr. Ulrich Klopfer, the physician who performed abortions at clinics in Fort Wayne, Gary, and South Bend. According to a release from the Indiana Attorney General, Curtis Hill, Hill released a statement yesterday saying that the latest remains were found as family members continued to sort through the late doctor's belongings in Will County, Illinois. I guess they didn't do a good enough search the first time after they found them all in his garage. Remember, they found 2,000 remains in his garage, and now they have found more in a car. In a revised statement released later Wednesday afternoon, members of the Will County Sheriff's Office reportedly found the remains while searching several vehicles owned by Klopfer that were parked at a business property in Dalton. Investigators found a total of eight 
jars, excuse me, cars, sorry, not jars, cars, my apologies, sorry, eight cars belonging to Klopfer and five plastic bags and one box containing fetal remains were found in the trunk of one of the cars. Illinois authorities on September 12th learned that family members going through his belongings found 2,246 preserved fetal remains at his residence. Those came from the early 2000s again. Uh, Hill oversaw the transportation of the fetal remains back to Indiana, and he said these new findings will be added to the existing protocols for the other group of remains. The St. Joseph County Prosecutor's Office issued a statement on Thursday saying that no fetal remains have been recovered in St. Joseph County. They're all in Illinois where this guy lived. So that is the latest on that. And as we continue to learn more, we will keep you apprised. And like I said, I put an interview uh, request with the Attorney General of the state to get an update on all of this stuff. Um, There's also a court ruling that was being considered on the Michigan-flavored e-juice ban, which is likely unconstitutional and illegal. Michigan ban on flavored nicotine uh, remains intact, at least for another day. This comes from MetroTimes.com. The Michigan Court of Claims judge on Wednesday delayed a decision on whether to temporarily halt the state's flavored nicotine vaping ban. After two days of testimony, Judge Cynthia Stevens said that she needs more time to consider an injunction request by Mark Slees, the owner of 906 Vapor in Houghton. Uh, See, Slees argued that in a lawsuit that Governor Gretchen Whitmer overstepped her authority by banning flavored nicotine vaping products without the approval of state lawmakers, and that ban went into effect on October 2nd. We told you that she was overstepping her authority. Um, We also asked a very important question which should have been the first thing asked by every journalist covering this story. Remember, her position was, well, vaping is dangerous for our youth, so we're going to go ahead and ban these flavors. The next question should have been, will you be doing the same thing for all of these same flavors that are in alcohol and tobacco products? That should have been the first question that a journalist asked. If she says she has the authority to do it, she should have already done it. Uh, She chose not to. Let's see. Uh, Sleaze and another vape shop owner testified Tuesday that the ban, if it uh, continued, likely will force them and other similar businesses to close, file for bankruptcy. He also added that vaping helped him and many others quit smoking cigarettes, which generally, I love this line, which generally are considered far more hazardous than vaping is. (laughs) Not generally considered. Factually are far more hazardous than vaping. In September, Whitmer became the first governor to announce a flavored nicotine ban in the midst of what increasingly appears to be an unrelated lung illness primarily linked to tainted black market cannabis vaping products. Kudos to the Metro Times for doing what, up until now, only myself, a couple of bloggers, and the Australian news media has done. Uh, The Australian news media covering this, by the way, has been very clear about what is actually causing the problem. So kudos to the Metro Times. It took him a while to get there. Um, see, it was, it was unrelated lung illness. Uh, it took them one, two, three. Yeah, it took them four paragraphs to get it. I mean, little, you know, it's a yeah, little bit further than I would like, but there you go. 
Uh, Whitmer bypassed public hearings and legislative approval by filing emergency orders on September 18th, claiming the rapid rise of youth vaping constitutes a public health emergency, as many as a quarter of high school seniors reported vaping nicotine in the past month. That's according to the University of Michigan's Monitoring and Future Survey in 2018. And again, what is important about that is did the question wasn't did you continuously use or regularly use? The question was in the past month, have you tried it once? And the answer was yes for a lot of them. But that is very different than being a vapor. It could have been somebody had it and said, okay, let me try it. And they did. And they probably didn't ever do it again. So um, it's not an accurate survey to be basing any decisions or public policy positions on whatsoever. And that is critical. Whereas all of the ones that we had, all the research we had about smoking was, are you a regular smoker? And they did not ask if they were regular vapors. They just asked, in the previous 30 days, have you had any contact, even one, with a vaping device? Which, of course, is not uh, anything to do your research on. So so that was delayed, but there is a court case on this, and they're going to challenge the, the governor's authority on it. Um, and she doesn't have the authority to do what she did, but she did it anyway. And it'll be interesting to see what the courts decide. But, again, um, if she can say that's a that's an emergency, then she could ban a whole host of other things that affect far more teenagers, but she won't do it. we got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do want to thank our sponsor, Second Amendment Arms and Range, located in New Carlisle. Don't forget, if you mention me, you get 50% off your range time. Plus, tonight is the Defensive Pistol Open League night. Go to secondamendmentarms.net for more information. The Washington Examiner's Byron York reported earlier this week that the intelligence officer's so-called whistleblower had a professional relationship with a 2020 Democratic presidential candidate and was a registered Democrat, which critics could use to accuse the whistleblower of bias against the president and his administration. However... The New York Times' Nicholas Fandos also reported this week that there remains a third reason that the whistleblower identified that could be used to accuse him of potential bias against Mr. Trump. So the whistleblower, and again, I'm just using this because that's what everybody else is saying. They're really a leaker. They are saying that there's something else that could be used against them. Intelligence Community Inspector General Michael Atkinson, boy, did he get a, um, a dress down today from Representative Jordan in that letter. Holy moly. Suggested in his initial review of the complaint that there was some indications of an arguable political bias on the part of the complainant in favor of a rival political candidate. The third indication remains a secret to the public, however, the others, like his party affiliation and history with a presidential candidate, could shed light on the intelligence officer's motivations to submit a whistleblower complaint regarding President Donald Trump's call with Ukrainian President Zelensky. Uh, Zelensky again yesterday and today has said there was no quid pro quo. And then he straight up said, um, not only were we going to open the investigation back in February anyway, I'm definitely opening it now. Mark Zaid, the lawyer for the whistleblower, air quote, released a statement Wednesday attempting to dispel accusations of the bias 
alleged political bias against the president. Uh, as I had said that the accusations of political bias had been used to mischaracterize and retract from the substance of the complaint. There is no substance in the complaint, Mr. Zaid. That's the point. Your client made an allegation, filled out a form, said some things in the form. The transcript of the phone call says that your client is not telling the truth. It really is that simple. So there appears to be something else that the whistleblower is hiding from the American public, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we got more coming up. You talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Want to remind you that Final Phase Electric and 95.3 MNC are kicking off the countdown to the 2020 presidential election with the fourth annual noise on Saturday, November 2nd at Center 615 in Elkhart. Get your tickets today. Special guests Brian Kilmeade and Katie Pavlich are going to be joining us. General admission tickets are on sale now. They're just $40, and everybody's going to get a copy of Brian's brand new book, Sam Houston. Tickets are available now at 953mnc.com. You can also buy them in the MNC studios at 237 West Edison Road in Mishawaka during normal business hours. Again, it is Saturday, November 2nd, presented by Final Phase Electric and 953mnc. I look forward to seeing you all there. The former Ukrainian ambassador, who was the anti-Trump ambassador that got removed, apparently... Uh, was monitoring the communications of John Solomon and other U.S. journalists were looking into the Ukraine situation. Ambas- Ambassador Yovanovic is a noted Trump hater who blocked Ukrainian officials from traveling to the United States to hand over evidence of Obama misconduct during the 2016 presidential election. Um, and apparently information has now come out that uh, she was monitoring journalists. That's interesting. Uh, in, in order to go ahead and document kind of who was monitoring Ukraine, who was looking into it and keeping tabs on there. So uh, another reason why they were removed from the U.S. was that they were engaging in espionage, which, of course, they're uh, theoretically not supposed to get caught doing. Uh, they're technically not supposed to do that, but we all know that ambassadors do do that. And they apparently got caught. In particular, she was spying on John Solomon who, again, works for uh, The Hill. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to the program today and supporting us. Go to 953mnc.com and follow me on social media at Casey the Host. It is now time for the O'Reilly Updates with Bill O'Reilly. 